And it's such a mindset change to say, I really forgive because hurt people hurt other people. Those people that abused me had things happen to them. And so it wasn't even about me personally. It was about the pain that they had. But if I wasn't willing to deal with my own pain, heal my own inner child, how was I ever going to protect my family, my wife, and the kids that I didn't have that I now have in the best and highest level possible if I wasn't willing to do the work to get to where I needed to be at? So I just set out on a mission to truly forgive. And it took me a long time. It wasn't overnight either. Welcome to episode 102 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I talk with Walter McKinley, who is a veteran, motivational speaker, author. He also served as an intelligence officer in the U.S. Navy, as well as a corporate executive for a Fortune 500 company. And this is something that I've been passionate about. Um, Walt came on to speak about something very personal to him. And this is the message that he left his Fortune 500 company and now is a motivational speaker and his platform speaking about mental health and abuse and how that affects all of us. And he had dealt with some severe child abuse that he speaks about in the episode that really caused him some major challenges and setbacks in his life and struggles. And, and he speaks about that. He's open about that and how he made those changes in his life. And there's a lot of value from this episode hearing him about the success that can come from that and overcoming and triumphing over abuse, especially as an adolescent. And again, his whole focus is the triumph, right? Overcoming and the success that can come from that. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And I'm super excited about our guest today. We have Walt McKinley with us today, who is a motivational speaker, author, and also a veteran. And Walt is a formerly intelligence officer in the US Navy and also a corporate executive in a Fortune 500 company. So welcome, Walt. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on the podcast, getting to talk to you, um, getting to talk to the listeners, and hopefully somebody will hear my message that needs to receive it. We can make an impact positively on some lives today. Yeah, and I agree. You know, this is, and and we're going to speak about mental health today, right? That's a big Mm -hmm. part of it, and abuse, and overcoming adversity. I mean, you you think about this. I speak about, you know, the podcast, I've always told people this is not just a construction-related podcast. Yes, we do talk about construction but I've had a lot of guests that vary in all different backgrounds, stories, um, you, you know, culture they come from and experiences. And, and that's really key, right? This is more educational. And you, you, the reality is if you want to be an entrepreneur, there has to be a mindset. There has to be constant positivity because it is such a tough life. It's such a tough job being an entrepreneur. And before we get into that for you, Walt, I mean, one thing that's really challenging is, is breaking that cycle of abuse, right? And so you think about that, it's, it's a tremendous task. So talk, tell us a little about your story and the abuse that you suffered through, you know, in your younger years. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I want to give a little bit about the triumph part, and then I'll break down the tragedy of what happened, because I want people to know, as they listen to this podcast, there's nothing special about me. I'm just a normal dude, born like everybody, I'm a die like everybody. But the mindset you need to have, whether you're an entrepreneur, recovering from trauma, I don't care what it is in life to be successful is super important. And so first and foremost, I'm a God-fearing family man. I've been married 22 years. I have two amazing teenage daughters. For those of you guys with teenagers, you know it can (laughs) be incredibly fun and challenging all at the same time. Um, You know, I, I, I recently left corporate America. I know we'll talk about that a little bit to pursue my passion of serving others, um, helping men break the generational cycle of abuse and fight to be the heroes of their family. Um, So I've had a lot of post, um, you know, adult success. But my, the start of my life, I moved 14 times in 16 years, um, the first 16 years of my life. I had pretty horrendous things happen to me. I lived with my um, mother and stepfather, and my stepfather abused me, and my own father abused me, my stepmother abused me, foster parents abused me for the first 16 years I was alive. Literally every single adult I came into contact with. And, and, and how specific, I mean, I know, you know, some of this may be private, but you know, you think about just that happening in different households you're in. You mentioned foster care, probably different states, possibly. I mean, physical abuse. I mean, how? I mean, how did that just take a torment on you personally? You know, especially as a young child dealing with this. Yeah. So I went through abuse is abuse, no matter what. And I think people diminish their abuse by comparing it to somebody else's, like it right. wasn't as bad as yours. 
But the reality is, if you're abused, you have to deal with those feelings. So I had it doesn't real matter, extreme... like you mentioned, but if I interrupt you, like emotional abuse or yeah. verbal abuse mm-hmm. or physical or sexual, it doesn't matter. Like it still takes a toll on you, especially as you're developing in those critical years as a young kid. That's right. Whether it was five minutes or 15 years, irrelevant, right? Yeah. It's going to take that toll on you. So I had real extreme forms of abuse. Uh, my first memory in life was at three years old, getting splinters put underneath my fingernails by a foster parent. And she held me down on the ground and put them under my fingernails. She threw me in the closet. That was her thing. She used to throw us in the closet, chain my sister to beds, really horrendous things. And we were there because my foster father, I mean, excuse me, my stepfather um, beat us and we were black and blue. So CPS took us away. And now mind you, I'm 44. So this was, um, you know, 41 years ago. And so from there, you know, fast forward to being eight years old, abuse happening, physical, emotional, neglect. Abuse happening the whole time. And my punishment when I was seven, eight years old and lived with my mother and foster father or foster parent, dad, sorry, he would throw me in the basement in the dark for two hours, 10 hours, whatever he felt like. And he used to throw this mask down there with me that I was terrified of. It was a werewolf mask. I remember it had white, had green hair, snarly teeth. And that was my punishment for just breathing, frankly. Fast forward back and forth between my mom and my dad during this whole entire time to being 13 years old and just being this destitute, just grief-ridden young teenage boy. And I got to a point, I'll never forget, my dad took his girlfriend to Disneyland for the weekend. I'm 13, and I said, why can't I go? And he says, well, I love her. Why would I take you? And I I was going to take my life that weekend. And this, you were 13? I was 13. And so I'm in the apartment by myself over the weekend. Went and got a knife, put it up to my wrist, had written a suicide letter, and left it on, on the bed so my dad could see it when he got home. And this was my first moment as an adult, now I understand, but like I didn't then, where God really interjected into my life. And I, my muscles froze in this moment. And I, I can't, it's really hard to describe. It's like I'm pushing the, the knife into my flesh. My muscles seize up. I can't move. Physically can't move. Literally something grabs my hand and pulls it away and I drop the knife. And then it was like a warm blanket just covered me in that moment and put almost this armor on me to keep me going. So when I was 15 and a half, um, the first person who ever showed me love, my aunt, came into my life. Huge, important, pivotal moment of who I am today. I couldn't have even gave you a hug. You know, we, when we met, um, you know, shook your hand, but I give a bro hug. And, but I get, couldn't even give my own family a hug. I would side hug my family. I just didn't know how to show love because the only way I ever received it was through physical abuse and, and emotional and mental abuse. So she's just getting me used to like positive physical touch and like telling me she's proud of me and she loves me. So it's almost like when you're in this pit of despair where you're, angry and you're fearful and you're frustrated and you and you don't know these feelings that are coming at you and you don't even want to live anymore she was in that cave of darkness she was like this light that shone through that so gave how, me hope. how did this happen though i mean and, and and i think this is important context as we're speaking here so here you are speaking about as as an adolescent a young kid fingernail you know splinters pushing your fingernail Locked in the basement as you get older by your dad and, and just the torment that would cause, right? Not understanding affection, you know, that touch and having just this constant abuse. So what, what changed? How did your aunt become involved? Where were you living? I mean, how did that even come into play where now you're 15 and you, you're seeing this change of, of communication and emotion? Yeah, so she's only nine years older than me. So think I'm 15. She's 24. Newly married. And this was your baby. mom or this dad's? Is my aunt. This is my dad's sister. It's dad's sister, okay. And newly married with a young kid. Well, we had moved from San Diego back to Yuma during that time, so we were in proximity. So it started with her. So you're in Yuma, your aunt's in Yuma, yep. young married. Mm-hmm. So we, she used to just come, I'd call her from a pay phone, we didn't have a phone, saying I got hit again. She would just come drop by the house, make it look random. I'll never forget one time she said, hey, I'm taking her young son, Brent. I'm taking Brent to the circus. Like I was going to see if Walt wanted to come. But she was there to rescue me in that moment. So we devised this plan, and she filed a complaint with CPS. So we devised this plan to get me out of this. And at this time, I'm 15 and a half. And CPS said, we can't take him out 
until he gets hit again after the complaint's filed. Oh, and by the way, we're going to go do a um, house check, which I was terrified of because then he would know that I told. Well, luckily, they ne- the house check never made it. So he punched me in front of five of my friends and knocked me to the ground. And, you know, I, I'm going to make light of this a little bit, but I'll never forget kneeling on the ground, almost like in a sprinter position, picking my hat up that he had just punched off the side of my head. And I thought to myself in that moment, this is the time when you can run. In that fight or flight moment where in my whole life I had frozen in fear from the abuse, this was my chance. And I just took off running. And I got to tell you, Usain Bolt couldn't have caught me. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I felt like my dad was right behind me. The reality was he wasn't even running. He was just screaming, I better get my behind back over there and some yeah. expletives and counting down from to three. Yeah. And I just ran and ran as fast as I could. We went back around and I called my aunt um, from a friend's house where he didn't know where our, my friend lived. Cops came, arrested my father. So 16 years old, I'm on the court, court stand testifying against my father. And the crazy thing is, it was one of the most horrible moments of my life because here I am, a broken human being, about to put my dad in jail and testify against him for the severe abuse that he's done. On the other hand, it was so empowering that for the first time in my life, I was able to stand up for myself against the multitude of abusers that had taken my, ch- had really stole my childhood away from yeah, me. Yeah, stole your life up and, to 16. And that was the beginning. Now, I had a lot of work, and we can talk about what that looked like, um, that I had to do to get rid of some anger. That was really the beginning. And the thing that transformed my life to give me the start so I could be where I'm at today, sharing my story with the details that I'm able to share it with. So how, how's that relationship with your aunt? You know, here's the younger sister to your dad. And, you know, the, for her to, I don't want to say take a chance, but to see the abuse, to have love for you as her nephew, and to know that she's going to go against her older brother, right? And there's going to, I'm sure there's conflict between them because of that. And then take you in, especially her being young married, working on her relationship, I'm sure starting her life. You know, everyone knows when you're young married, especially at that age, it's not like it's easy. You're probably mm-hmm. working long hours and now you're already taking it, you know, having a young family, bringing in a teenage boy, right? I mean, there's some complexity there. I mean, I'm sure at the time you didn't even realize that now as we're parents, you, you look back and realize that was, I mean, that's a hero in your life, right? Something that she yeah. didn't sacrifice at that time. Yeah, I say that. And, and I always say a woman made me the man I am today, but she genuinely did. Yeah. What she really taught me more than anything because I had made a decision in my life. There is, on the court stand that day, I'll never forget. The ju- my dad is berating me on the, on the court stand, basically calling me a liar. And I remember blurting out, you know that this happened, and you're lying. And I, it, it was this feeling. It was almost like, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. And the judge told my dad, Mr. McKinley, if you're treating him like this in my courtroom, I can only imagine what you treat him like at home. This is done guilty and stopped it. So then my aunt, she is literally my life hero. And it was a challenge because I was broken. But you know what? She just, she's got this huge heart of gold and, and she's a powerful woman. And she just loved on me. And that's really what I needed. I just needed love to someone show me that they cared about who I was as a human being and, and challenged me to be better. And, and I saw her work, and her work ethic was so strong. And so I, I have a really strong work ethic because of that. And I'm able to receive love and been married for 22 years because I was taught what real love looked like in those three, three and two and a half, three years that I lived with her, um, where now I can have that healthy relationship with my wife. So what do you think she did specifically? I know you mentioned you, you had an experience, what a hug was, you know, or or that emotion, I love you, I'm proud of you, right? Just that, that affirmation we need as people. So what did she do those couple years that help you kind of let your guard down and, and just feel loved and feel appreciated by her? You know, what were some of the things? Yes, yeah, so I think first and foremost, she just made me feel safe. And I remember thinking my dad might be able to get me back, right? Because in the past, if we were taken from our parents, we still got returned. Yeah. It's just the way it worked. Because the court's always going to fight to get them back with their biological parents. Correct. Luckily, I was 16, so I had more of a choice in the matter at this point. She just, she, I'll never forget, she sat me down and she told me, she goes, I don't care if we got to run. 
I don't care if we got to go move and hide until you're 18. There is not a chance I will ever let you get back with your dad again. I will never let somebody hurt you like that again. And I remember and she used to like, you know, lightly like punch on my arm or pinch me, like just playing around and hug on me. And I, play, I played sports. So she'd come to my basketball game and she was my biggest fan. And so it was really, I don't know that there was like a pinnacle moment outside of her telling me, I don't care what happens, you'll never go back. It was the compilation of day over day over day of her being able to love me in a way that made me feel safe. And, and, and I'll, I went to a psychologist for three months in Yuma at that age. Okay. And I'm at the psychologist's office and he's like, you know, and you, you put these brick walls up and we have to tear them down piece by piece. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm out. I can't. I can't. I'm not, this isn't resonating with me. My aunt gave me the space and the ability to just share with her how I felt. She acknowledged how I felt. She hugged me when I needed it. She pushed me forward when I needed it. So I got, and that's one of the things I talk about a lot, is speaking your truth. I started to heal because I started to talk about what actually happened to me instead of holding it inside. It's interesting you brought that up because it's not this one pinnacle moment. You think about just in business, as you apply this to business, that what makes people great is being consistently good, right? And it's it's consistency, it's repetition. And, and this is true in sports, it's true in business, it's true in life, in relationships, everything. And so what your aunt did, what you're explaining is that it's not like there's this miraculous, you know, <laughs> sky opening magic thing. It's just consistency that she's, she's supporting you. She's at all your events. Mm-hmm. She's loving you. She's there. She's telling you the affirmation. So you're getting it from all different angles and it's just a daily thing. And then you know that someone has your back. For the first time in your life, here you are. You've dealt with the beach your whole life that you have someone saying, hey, I'm in your corner. I'm here to defend you. I'm going to fight for you. And I can imagine that that slowly had an impact, you know, that consistently good that mm-hmm. she brought. Yeah, it was empowering and, and gave me my power back too, which was a big piece of it. You know, but at that, the consistency we talk about, it didn't mean that, that my healing was done. No. That was the starting point. And so... I was really still angry as a teen. I was always super protective of women and kids because I felt like they couldn't protect themselves. So here I am. Now I'm, I'm bigger now. So now I could protect them. But I was very physical towards other men. Because if, if somebody challenged me, I had been just beat down and punked out my whole life. I just wasn't going to let that happen to me anymore. And so I spent my late teens and very early 20s just, and it's almost embarrassing for me to say now, but just being physical and putting hands on people even when it was unwarranted. And really my wife and the reality that I didn't want to perpetuate the abuse is what changed me and gave me perspective to say, you know, well, you can't be this angry person. And so I talk about a lot when I coach other men on how to overcome the generational cycle and fight to be the heroes of their family. The third thing that I learned in this process, so first thing I learned was speak your truth. You've got to let it out. And as men, we're taught to hold it in, right? But you got to let it out. Second thing is you have to acknowledge how you feel. You have to sit in those feelings and fight through them if you want to have the joy and move past it. The third thing, the hardest thing for me was really forgiveness for my abusers. I'm thankful what happened to me happened to me because it's made me an amazing human being and it's unlocked these amazing gifts from my trauma that helped me help other people. And it's such a mindset change. We talked about mindset at the beginning. It's such a mindset change to say, I really forgive because hurt people hurt other people. Those people that abused me had things happen to them. And so it wasn't even about me personally. It was about the pain that they had. But if I wasn't willing to deal with my own pain, heal my own inner child, how was I ever going to protect my family, my wife, or girlfriend and wife, and the kids that I didn't have that I now have in the best and highest level possible, but I wasn't willing to do the work to get to where I needed to be at. So I just set out on a mission to truly forgive. And it took me a long time. It wasn't overnight either. You know, that's, I've, I've had mentors in my life, and it's interesting you speak about forgiveness, Walt. And, you know, uh, anger, you know, resentment, you know, that's a cancer, right? And in so many cases, your case is not this way where you're abused. I mean, they knew what they were doing even though there's this cycle of abuse and it's happening. But a lot of times people offend us, miscommunication, we get frustrated, we're angry. Sometimes they don't even know. We hold this resentment, we hold this anger, and it doesn't affect them. We're just carrying this extra weight on our backpack all day. 
and that ability to forgive and let go, right? There's there's a true empowerment and healing, right? When you can forgive somebody mm-hmm. for any faults they may have caused, and and it just changes your whole outlook on life and that perspective. And you've, you're speaking about this, Walt. That 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 is the biggest key in this thing is that forgiveness element. But you know, going back to it, I mean, when, when did that realize, realization come to you? This isn't normal. I mean, for you to really understand, hey, hurt people, hurt people. I've been through abuse. I'm getting fights, you know, with other with other men. When does it come? You're like, time out. You know, I need I need to stop. Like this isn't normal. I'm going to make a change here. Yeah. So I, I think again, it's a progression. I don't know that there was a pinnacle moment where I did something and I was like, wow, I had a flash that that I needed to change. I just was angry all the time, though, even though outwardly. People saw this joyful guy, this huge personality. I was insecure and I was angry. And I knew that the pain that I still held on to was holding me back from being the best version of myself. And you know what's interesting is I thought that I forgave at one point in my life. And I saw my stepfather. I'll never forget it. First time I came home from the Navy, here I am. I'm like, I forgave, like I'm good or I'm forgiving. And I hadn't seen my mom in 10 years but I wanted to see my little sister. So I drove to California from Yuma because I was visiting. And I'll never forget, I walk in to get a, a cup of water. And I look to my right, and my sister's talking out the back door with the man. Well, I'm thinking it's my mother's boyfriend. I'm, I haven't seen her in 10 years, so I don't know what this guy looks like. And I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? And he's like, hey. And I'm walking. That's, I'm looking to my right, and I look forward, and I start walking back into the living room. And I took two steps. And it hit me that it was my stepfather that used to throw me in the basement and beat me. And in that moment, I felt more anger than I have in my entire life. Maybe this was a pinnacle moment for me as I think about it. I walked in the living room and I told my mom, and my, my, my wife was in, the, in there, and my older sister too, and I said, if you don't get him out of here, I'm going to go stab him. I was that angry. And it was like this flush, I was red and this flush of emotion, I couldn't control it. She looked at my sister, and my sister, I'll never forget, she told her, hey, Walt doesn't play. Like, you better make him leave. And I, I looked at my wife, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, ooh, like, I'm trying to control myself because it, my little sister's talking to him. I don't want to do something in front of her. And I realized in that moment I just didn't forgive and how much anger I was still holding on to. And I thought to myself, like, man, I got to let this go somehow. But I don't think until I really started to understand that hurt people hurt other people. That's why 78% of all abuse is perpetuated by family members. Mm-hmm. That I really started to let go. Once I really started to understand that, and it wasn't Walt McKinley. He didn't look at you and say, I hate you, Walt. I'm throwing you in the basement. He looked at me and just couldn't control his own anger, and he would throw me down there. That I started to really forgive. And and so that was, maybe that was really the pinnacle moment, but I feel like I still had some anger moments after <laughs> that, you know, that I needed to get over. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you when I knew I, I knew I forgave. 10, 11 years later, my little sister is getting married. And I had seen her quite a few times, but I hadn't seen him. So they got married in Vegas. We all go to Vegas. He's there at her wedding. So this is her wedding. I'm not going to ruin her day. I'm more adult than that. But, you know, I, I shook his hand and told him congratulations. I never told him I forgave him because I didn't forgive him for him. I didn't forgive any of my abusers for them. I forgave them for me. When I transitioned my mind from thinking, I'm not going to let them off the hook, screw those guys, to thinking, wow, I need to let this pain go. I'm going to do this for me regardless if anybody else knows. It was, it was like a weight, bam, and it just, let, I, it just lifted right off me. And the burden that lifted off my shoulders and my soul was, it's indescribable. I love that you share that. And, you know, that there's power there, as you mentioned. I mean, just that, that pain that you're holding and to let that go, I can't imagine, especially now. I mean, the maturity level you have now, Walt, and now that you're a motivational speaker, I mean, going through this, I mean, you're, you're in a position where you can help a lot of people, right? Overcome abuse, which is too constant in our society. Mm-hmm. What made you join the Navy? How did the military come into play? And did that play a role in the healing, in your organization, in your mentality that you have today? Yeah. So, you know, I had to transition myself mentally to realize that I was a five foot 10 white guy and I wasn't going to make it to the <laughs> NBA because that was my dream for the longest. And I had to, you know, yeah, and the I odds realized, are against you at that, at that size. <laughs> yes. Yes. As much as I didn't want them to be, they actually were. So, um, 
you know, here I am in Yuma. And this is Yuma 25, yeah. 26 years ago, right? So if you guys don't know, it's a very small town. The excitement when they got an, a, a new restaurant was captivating and lines would be out the door. That's how small of a town it is. So A little farming town about an hour and a half outside of San Diego right. on your way to Arizona. Yeah, or it's actually a, it's two and a half it's hours because it's right. Yeah, it's yeah. the border of Arizona. And- so it's a stopping point between Phoenix and San Diego is yeah. really what it is. Everybody stops at the McDonald's there. So I thought, I, I need more. I want to have more and I want to have success. And initially success for me was all about like showing people that I was going to make it. Like, I'm not going to let that hold me back. They can't break my spirit. I got this. Over time, what I love is it transitioned to, well, I get to do the things that I'm doing and I want to have this joyous life and give my kids the best start ever. So it turned from like an anger motivation to a very positive motivation about how to move forward. So my uncle was in the Navy. He was a senior chief in the Navy at E8. Um, I went to visit him for a summer. I was like, I'm digging this. I like it. My grandfather had retired from the Navy, so I would have been third generation. And my grandmother, I'll never forget, I love my grandmother, God rest her soul. I sat, she knew I was doing things that were going to probably land me in jail um, as a 19-year-old. And she sat me down and she said, you know, Walt, you're going down the wrong path. The military is really a great way to kind of set you back where you need to be at and put you on the path forward so you can have the success you want. And she drove my behind down to the recruiter station because <laughs> all of my aunts, all of my uncles served too and drove me to the recruiter station and, and I enlisted in the Navy and my buddy and I had cased out a circle, um, a circle K. We were going to rob it. And Interesting. So you were still dealing with conflict. I mean, you were still right playing on that borderline of, you know, direction of life, even through that healing. Yeah. It's like my heart was good, right? But the anger was almost uncontrollable. And so I fought this line of like being this good person with, and, and honestly kind of being fake with outwardly with people feeling like I'm this joyous personality with this in, inner pain that I was dealing with. And I'll never forget this. You know, I have pinnacle moments in my life where I feel like God was really there. I didn't know it at the time, but as a God-fearing man now, I understand. This was one. So we, we, me and my buddy, we cased this circle K. We knew when this, old, this one old man was working there. We weren't going to hurt him, but we were going to go in and steal the money. I'm not joking you. Two days before we were going to do it, his mother got sick in um, Tucson. Deathly ill. And thank goodness she made it. She's alive today. But he went home. In that moment when he went home, I went to visit my grandma. Before he got back to Yuma, I was in the Navy two weeks later. Because <laughs> I knew at that moment, having yeah. time and peace and space to think for myself and not, you know, get riled up where I'm riling him, him up and he's riling me up and we're just doing ridiculous things to say, I, this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to end up in prison and be a statistic. And boom, two weeks later, I'm in the Navy going through boot camp and start my career there. Amazing. I mean, what a transformation, right? And to see that and, and it's those little choices, right? Those little choices and you have that path, mm-hmm. right? That fork in the road. And how different your life would be. And you think by taking the, this path that you took, right? The impact you can have on others, especially as you've gone into motivational speaking. But going back to the Navy, I mean, how long were you in the Navy? Where did you serve? How did that play a role just in, in you know, from basic training to, you know, being out there and serving our country? You know, how did that change your mindset? Yeah. So my Navy career wasn't without setbacks too. So I'll talk a little bit about those because I think the comeback that happens with setbacks and the lessons you learn and the maturity you gain is profound. If you're looking and your mindset is focused on if you the want lessons to. instead of being a victim, right? So right. went in the Navy, I was enlisted first. Um, during my, ty- my first 10 years in the Navy, I had two pivotal mentors. Other men, and this is why I, I, I coach men also, because it's so huge when you can work with people who've overcame or had the success, overcame trauma or had the success that you want to have. And first one, and I know he won't mind if I say his name, his name's Corey. He's now the commanding officer of a, a, a warship. But at the time, he was enlisted just like me. Came from a tough background. And he just showed me how to be a professional. He showed me how to navigate the political landscape of any working environment that we have and the level of work ethic you needed to be successful. So I was on submarines initially. I had an asthma attack 
while I was going through submarine school in Connecticut because the weather was cold and I was sick. So when I got to Virginia on my first sub, they told me, you can't be on submarines. So here I am, I transferred down to my first duty station. You can't be on submarines because you have asthma. And if we're in a place we shouldn't be, we can't airlift you off. So pick, pick something different. During the next two years is when I met Corey. I ended up being Sailor of the Year there and um, continued my path. Got to another pivotal moment at eight years in the Navy. Met another guy, his name's Jesus, prior enlisted guy who became an officer. And I was going to get out because I was just pissed that the Navy said I wasn't worldwide deployable as an officer, but I could be enlisted. I'm like, I'll, I'll just do my 10 and then, and then be done. I'm married at this time, thinking I'm just going to go to college. I meet this other pivotal men mentor in my life. Took me to do things so far out of my pay grade. So leaders out there, give your people the opportunity to stretch themselves. Because this man stretched me so far outside of where my comfort zone was at. And guess what? I could do it. And I did it at a high level. So I was able to be Sailor of the Year again when I was there. Well, the Navy, it was after 9-11. So the Navy now wasn't downsizing anymore. I put my officer package in one more time. Still wanted to hit this goal. And I got selected. And the next 10 years were just nothing short of amazing. I love, from a leadership capacity, the, the, I don't care about rank and, and titles. I love the, the span of control and the scope and the ability to affect culture at an exceptionally high level and build high-performing teams. So being an officer gave me an even bigger platform to do that. And so I did everything from running, um, you know, smaller groups of 20 when I first became an officer to running groups of over 200 um, by the time I finished, where everybody was super focused on their peers, not on themselves. And within that construct and that culture, so many individuals, I can't tell you how many of them are now officers in the Navy or master chiefs in the Navy, the highest rank is in the, in the, on the enlisted side, um, because they were willing to put their focus on somebody else. Now, we're super excited to welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. Then you think about good leaders, right? Good leaders are those that they're able to see the uh, capability and the potential of someone else and help them get there, right? Mm -hmm. They have the ability to communicate. And in that construct, as you mentioned, I mean, you think about creating a high-performance team. And it, it's interesting because you think of your coaching tree. You know, I'm a big sports fan. I look at the NFL. And, and there are some amazing coaches in the NFL. And then their coaching tree, you see people that they've trained that are, trained that are maybe offensive line coach or cornerback coach and how they come up. And now they're head coaches. And, mm -hmm. you know, these trees go way out because they're so skilled at what they do. And they empower those below them. And you look at any successful company, and it doesn't matter what business, but successful entrepreneurs have an ability to motivate, to relate, and to empower their people that then uplifts them, right? And this is what you did. And now, now of course, as, as, as you move forward in your career, having this opportunity in the Navy, and you know, one benefit about serving as an expatriate or serving in the military or the Peace Corps or serving in other countries, it changes your perspective too, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of us in the United States were our experience here, it's, it's, it's good in America. Despite all the issues we have, anyone that's lived outside of our country, outside the world, then you understand what other people deal with, right? How grateful we should be. And 
I love having these conversations because it's never a comparison, but you hear what other people have overcome, like you, Walt, and it gives you perspective that, hey, this is what I've dealt with. I can make the most of this, right? I've seen what other people do, and this message is so clear. And so going back to that Navy, I mean, that opportunity where you're, you're fighting that and now you're an officer, I, I'm sure there's, fast forward, I mean, this is now 15 years, 20 years from your teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. That it's changed your perspective on human interaction, on life, on relationships. I mean, how did that affect your marriage, you know, starting to learn this? How, how has that helped strengthen your marriage and your relationship with your daughters? Yeah, that's a great question. And look, I'll tell you, my wife, she sets boundaries, <laughs> but she just loves. She's one of the most pure-hearted people I've met in my life. And I don't say that because she'll listen to this and she's my wife. I mean, I truly mean that. And she just loved on me when I needed it. And the one thing she's always done that has really empowered me on another level, it didn't matter if I'm gone six to eight months on a deployment. You know what? She paid all the bills. She took care of the kids. She's been such a supporter of my career at the sacrifice of her own to be a mother and a wife. And I love where I'm going now because she's even starting to want to talk to women to teach them how to love men that are filled in, that, that have been through trauma. Because again, men don't talk about it. So she's created a safe space and environment for me to talk about it. What that allowed me to do, we were married five years um, and together seven before we had kids. It set me up for success to be a father. And I'm not perfect, right? Like there's times when in the past where I'm aggravated because of work or whatever, and they ask me something and I might snap like, what, 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 what? And I know in those moments, that's still things that are holding me back that I need to continue to repair inside of me so I can be the best dad for them, the best example as a man for them. Because let's face it, Brad, I'm going to be the benchmark for them, for what there is acceptable from other men. And I keep that in mind every single day. The way I treat their mother, the way I treat the waiter or waitress at a restaurant, the way I treat every single person around me. So I think... Um, you know, being in the Navy just provided me the opportunity to provide for them at a higher level. But I wouldn't be, I couldn't have had the career success without my wife literally standing right by my side, walking the path with me every day. And when I needed it, kicking me in the butt. And when I needed it, grabbing me and pulling me up the hill. It's amazing. And, and you have two kids now. I mean, how's that relationship with your teenage daughters? Oh, I love being a dad. Like, <laughs> and you know, I think even... Um, thank God they don't want to have kids because they're teenagers. But I think even as a grandpa in the future, it's going to be amazing. They, I, I'm so close with my girls. And it's wild. Those of you guys who, who have at least two kids, you know, you raise them what you think is the same, but they're literally different personalities. <laughs> right. So I have one that's super athlete. She's in student council. She's just a go-getter. She's literally a little mini me when it comes to just pushing. And I have one that She's such a lover and she'll walk in the, I love it because she's 14, almost 15. And most of the kids this age don't do this. She'll walk in the living room, put her arms out, be like, who wants a hug? How does that not melt your heart as a father? And, but spending that quality time with them, being my kids' biggest fans. I have one that wants to be an actress, one that loves sports. So I'm at all the sporting events or from the actress perspective, like she's got an agent in, in LA now and supporting that and doing whatever it takes to help them attain their dreams. And so that is my mission. How can I give them a privileged start? One, how can I set a benchmark for what's acceptable from the men that will come into their life as they get older? And how can I support them in a way where they feel valued and confident so they could go out and conquer the world? It's a tough task. I can tell you, especially with kids, mm-hmm. you know, I have six myself and five daughters and that. It's, it's a tough task and every kid's different. You know, our ability to reach them, to speak to them, you know, discipline them. I mean, they, they all react differently, right? And they're all their own little enterprises, yeah. you know, it's like, and they have so many aspirations. And, you know, I think most of us as humans, I mean, none of us want to be told what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's inherent, right? We all come with our agency and that's inherent to all of us. And, and that doesn't change, as you know, I'm sure you're the same. I am too, that, and, and, and that fine balance, right, of being a father, mother, you know, and a parent. Right. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to balance. And you're trying to balance that, you know, in the Navy and the military, which is really complex because you're gone, you know, you're on deployment, you know, your wife and that communication. I mean, it, it just shows the triumph and your ability to overcome abuse too. And as you said, the mindset, right? It's so key mm-hmm. to that. 
So then what ended up, you know, you're, you're, you're serving in the military officer and you're, when did the decision come to, Hey, now I'm going to go to corporate America. Yeah. So I spent 20 years in, so here I am at the retirement point. And I really thought to myself, although I love serving our country and just the idea of serving something bigger than yourself, how amazing I, you know, and I don't say I had to, I got to do that. You know, what, what a blessing on my life because I wouldn't have even met my wife. So I wouldn't have my kids that I have. I wouldn't have the career that I have. So what, what a blessing that I was able to do that. That perspective is major. I'll interrupt one thing. When I was 20 years old, you know, there was a, a conflict I had with somebody. And I remember a mentor at the time said, hey, Brad, it's because you're not serving them enough. And, and mm. it's interesting. And you think about that by serving them, you know, you, you, your heart soften, right? That, that mentality changes. And just that perspective, and you have that mentality. And, and you've said this, Walt, that by serving, you know, other people in your, you know, the camaraderie that you had in your um, uh, organization and then serving them, serving your country, serving others. I mean, there's a, there's a humbleness to it, right? And then there's a connection to that. You'll realize when, as you look back in your life, I look, some of the closest people that I'm with are people that I've served with, right? I look at mm -hmm. the employees now here at AFT, right? I look at them as family and we're super close because we work together, we serve together, right? Yeah. And, and there's, there is true, it's a true testament to that attribute. Well, here, the thing about service, so many people in our society now, I feel like social media is amazing for certain aspects, but it's made people feel like they're self-important over somebody else. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when you focus on service to others, all the abundance and the things that you really want will come. But when you're focused on self, none of, that, none of those things that you really want are going to come to fruition. So I've always found, I love that you say that the family atmosphere and serving together because that really builds a different type of environment where everybody can truly win. It is generosity precedes prosperity, right? That's right. Again, it's one of my favorite and, and it's exactly what you're saying. That generosity, that, that, that service mentality, right? It'll lead to things in the long run, right? You're building that foundation. That's right. That's right. So, so how do I get to corporate America? So I, I retire. I'm like, I have to try this corporate America thing out. I feel like I could crush it, but I won't know unless I go try it. So the, the easy way was for me to get a GS-13 job in the government, make good money, mm -hmm. have the security of a government role, doing intelligence. I just couldn't think that maybe I would be the world's expert in Iranian submarines one day. Like that, <laughs> that wasn't inspiring for me. But what I did think was, wow, if I can go in and do amazing, I could really build team-first high-performing team environments by taking the things I learned in the military and bringing them to business. into corporate America. I just needed someone to take a chance on me because I didn't have the hard analytics skill yet. I know I could get it. I just didn't have it. So I, I went into corporate America. I was promoted three times in four years. Uh, worked for a um, nationwide car company for two and then went over to uh, Fortune 5 for the last three. And I'll tell you, I had a really pinnacle moment. I think a lot of people who just grind at work are going to, really feel what I'm about to say. So here I am, I'm crushing it. I'm, I'm told that I'm up for promotion at this company after being promoted three times in, four year, in, in the first four years. And by the way, I don't say this in a braggadocious way. I say this in a right. very humble way. And I, I had extreme burnout and I've never had an anxiety attack and I had one. I had started, I was working 12 hours a day on Zoom calls, probably 10 of them, then trying to knock out some emails. I had basically, I was doing three senior level jobs that now that I'm gone, there's three people doing them. And for where I worked out, the PPP loan process really accelerated the amount of work that we had. So fortunately, some people were let go because the work wasn't there. It doubled our workload, but I didn't have double the people. So, you know, I'm getting people to just run through the fire, as I said, and, you know, the best teams are born through the fire. My voice is all greedy as I gave this speech one day. And I'm pushing and pushing and pushing about 18 months into this. I have this breakdown. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Genuinely. Like I went to the hospital. And I realized in that moment, here I am at the pinnacle of my earning power. And outside of the leadership development of what I'm doing, I'm not passionate about anything else of what I'm doing. I can't even enjoy my family because I'm putting work before everything else. Because as a man... That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to provide for my family. I had a moment where I had to decide. And this is where I love my wife. She goes, she's like, what's wrong? 
And I was like, you know, I'm not emotionally or physically tired anymore. I'm, in, I'm tired in the soul of who I am as a human being. I can't tell you just how tired I am. It's unexplainable. And so I took some time off. Never done that because I always prided myself on my resiliency. It's what I hung my badge of honor. Never done that. And then I realized I'm not passionate about what I'm doing because I'm not serving other people in the way that I need to. How selfish is it for me to continue to keep my story private or within the scope of my friends, right, right. where I'm helping them and not share this tragedy to triumph story with people in a way that helps them know they're not alone and that they can do the same thing that I did. How selfish of me. And so I just, 75% of my income went away. I left corporate America 11 weeks ago to do this full time. And I want to give you a story when I knew this was what I needed to do. So a few years ago, and ironically, I'm serving men. That's my focus now. But women are just as much warriors as men are of their trauma. And I joke around a lot. So I had a, a sailor walk past me and I'm like, oh, you ain't going to say hi today? Just because I joke around. And normally she was giving it to me worse than I was giving it to her. She walked past my desk and she goes, I'm not having a great day. So fast forward, I said, let's take a walk. Take a walk. She starts telling me about sexual abuse she had when she was a kid. And now that she has a daughter, she's like, I can't believe my mom didn't leave the men who were doing that after I told her. And now that I have a daughter, it's making me more angry. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel like I want to hurt myself. So I asked her, I said, will you let me help you? So we got her some therapy. Like I talked to her. We let her handle that business in private during the workday. I said, if anybody has an issue, you tell them to come talk to Lieutenant McKinley. They don't need to know what you're doing. I'm giving you permission to go during the day because I know you got to pick your daughter up from daycare. So we served six months together at that command the rest of the time. Then she left, then I left, and six months after that. So a year later, she comes and finds me. She walks into the office where I'm at. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? She's like, okay, it's my turn to ask you to take a walk. We go take a walk, and we sit at a picnic table. And she goes, like, I got to be careful. I can feel myself get choked up talking about this already. Yeah. She goes, you were the first man that ever cared about me in my entire life without wanting anything in return. And she goes, I was going to take my life. You literally saved my life. And it's not even a compliment. It's the most humbling thing anybody can ever say to you. So I knew, excuse me, I, I knew in that moment the power behind my story. Since I shared some with her, she felt like it was safe. She knew she wasn't alone. She shared with me and gave me an opportunity to help her. That was a life-changing moment for me in a whole different kind of way. I, I love that you share that, Walt, because mental health is real in our society. Abuse is beyond prevalent, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's just not enough resources, in my opinion, and what I've seen. And there's so much that people are dealing with. And we live in a society, as you mentioned, and the one negative thing about social media, it's almost exacerbated this, right? It's right. expanded where people are looking and, and through photos, you know, you can portray a certain image or a certain lifestyle that may not be reality and it's just a facade to what the reality is behind or the pain behind it, right? And it creates this competition, creates this covetousness, right, that we have and comparing ourselves and which can lead to depression. It can lead to, you know, as you mentioned, these feelings of self-abuse or self-deprecation, right? And, and, and that's what I love you do because when you speak about passion, right, and, and, you, and you talked about this just a few minutes ago, you said, hey, Look, I, I'm glad they took a chance on me in corporate America because I had the talent. I didn't have the experience, but I had the talent. I had the capability. I had the leadership skills. And good companies will recognize that and say, look, I, I look at Walt and yeah, I could bring him on because he, he portrays all these elements that I want for my company culture. I may need to train him and that's okay. And that's okay when we're looking at hiring people, right? But at the same time, for you as an individual, you still have to have the passion behind what you do. And if you have the passion behind what you do, you're going to be successful. You're going to be consistently good. Mm -hmm. And that's what's now led you to what you're doing. So talk about what you're doing now, how that's evolved, you know, as the motivational speaker and author and what you're doing with those who have been abused. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I, you know, initially, my wife actually nudged me to write my memoir. And I was initially going to um, release it on in the middle of November, but I'm going to push it to January because I don't want to run a book tour into the holidays. And it really is. And I talk about the tragedy, and I gave you guys some real descriptors at the beginning. But I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on the triumph of what happened after. And that's what the book's about. 
it's this real tragedy to triumph story to inspire people to be able to overcome. So one of the things I'm working on now is I feel like there's, there's these amazing, amazing um, different campaigns that happen, right? Like movements, the Me Too movement, talk about child trafficking a lot. So they're warranted, they're needed. If we're going to progress our society, they have to happen. And by the way, having two daughters, I'm glad we, that we have the Me Too movement where we're focused on things not being acceptable that men do to women. You know what we never talk about? Abuse, childhood abuse. And it's because it's uncomfortable. People don't want to talk about it because it doesn't make them feel good. And it's hard to quantify. I mean, there's, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, it comes in so many aspects that mm -hmm. from verbal abuse, emotional abuse, locking someone in a basement in the dark to actual pain, right? Mm -hmm. It slivers in their fingernail. I mean, it's so vast. Right. And it's hard to quantify. Well, th think about this. Every 10 seconds, a child abuse case is reported. That's not how many kids are being abused. It's just what's That's reported. the ones that were reported, which is a small fraction of the reality. Every 10 seconds, that's 700,000 children a year. And when you blow that up and you know that 78% of all abuse is perpetrated by family members because we don't deal with these things, how many millions of people is that affecting? That's why it's generational. That's why we've had abuse for the history of man. And so I just refuse to be a person that doesn't dig in, do something different, serve people in a way that really moves them forward that lets them heal from that trauma through motivational speaking, through one-on-one -on -one coaching, and it lets them literally change their family's legacies forever. And men especially, because we're taught to not show our emotions, we're taught that we got to be tough. Men especially think we vulnerability is weakness. And I got to tell the men out there, there is so much more strength than being vulnerable do you know how comfortable you have to be with yourself to be like you almost like I was about to start crying when I was telling the story, right? So <laughs> making me cry you got to be comfortable in, in with yourself and strong because you're opening yourself up to get hurt to be vulnerable. But if we're not vulnerable as men, especially, how can we protect our families if we can't even protect ourselves? So we got to do the work, and I'm willing to show people the path to help them get there and walk that journey with them. So they know that they're not alone. I'll give you one more example. I had a man reach out to me recently that I served with 10 plus years ago. We're on Facebook, but we might like something every now and again that we post. He's not even hardly on there very much. So he starts watching these videos I'm posting on Facebook. He reaches out and he goes, thank you for sharing your story. He goes, I left my home at 17 because of the shame I felt from the abuse I had, kind of the, some, some of the stuff you've had. He goes, in some sort of morbid way, it feels good to know I'm not alone. That broke my heart because I got to tell you, if you're struggling, if the listeners, if you're struggling with this, you are not alone. There's millions of people out there that have been through the things, there's support groups, there's therapy, there's me that can help you walk this path and heal yourself because I promise you on the other side of this mountain of trauma you think is in front of you is this joy unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life and like anything you ever feel is possible when you're in this pit of despair that, that you're in, when you're really struggling with that abuse still. I love that. And, and it's true. And I don't even think it's a morbid thing. The reality is, is there are, unfortunately, too many stories similar, right? And to hear someone that's conquered that. And as you mentioned, and you said this from the very beginning, and that I, I actually made a note here that you said, this is about the triumph. It's not about the trauma, right? And you think about the triumph you've had, and, and that's what people need to see. They need to see, hey, here's someone that's similar to going through what I went through, like you, Walt. They overcame it. That gives them hope, right, that they could do that. I, you know, that entrepreneurship journey, that life journey that we all have, seeing someone that's done that, that gives you strength to say, okay, what are the steps? How do I do it? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing now. You're creating that process. Here's the steps. Here's the therapy. Here's the communication. Here's the mindset. Here's things that you need to apply daily. Here's who you surround yourself with. As you mentioned, here you are in the young 20s. I can't hang out with this guy. I need to go into the military. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to understand that that environment, how do you get people out of that environment? Yeah. And I think it's really a mindset thing. So you can stay in the victimhood of what happened to you. And I did for a long time. Why did this happen to me? Why couldn't I have better parents? I listened to a country song where the guy's singing about his dad and they're out fixing a car and he's holding the flashlight. And I'm thinking to myself in those moments, God, it would have been nice to have a dad like that. 
But you know what I realized? I needed to switch that why to how. You know what? How can I use what happened to me to my advantage? How can I make sure this doesn't happen for my family? And I, whether you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling to get your business off the ground, whether you're going through trial, I don't care what you're doing. Stop asking why things are happening. Start asking how you could do something different by listening to people like me, by listening to people like you. What you do is you change your mindset from being a victim to being a warrior. And I talk to people about this. When you become a warrior, when you go through these four things that I learned that can really help you overcome the trauma, you unlock these amazing gifts your trauma gave you. And I had somebody tell me the other day, they go, I got gifts from my trauma. What are you talking about? And I was like, hear me out. I said, the people who've been through trauma are no joke. The most resilient, empathetic, compassionate, and grit-filled people I've ever met in my life. But it's the ones that have the warrior mindset that were willing to stop being fearful of what was on the other side of this mountain and be uncomfortable in the pain that they, been set, that they sat in their whole life and acting like a victim because they're fearful of working through those feelings to figure out what's on the other side. The unknown is more scary to them than the pain that they sit in. But by using my story, if I could show people, you can get through that pain. You, I, I know you can because I did it. And I'm just a normal guy. You can get through that pain. And when you get that warrior mentality, you get this magic key and you unlock this box and this amazing piece of you, you didn't even know was there comes out and affects people around you in such a positive and legacy driven way where you change everything, including your family lineage forever. So how does that work? When you start thinking about those listening, you know, what resources are out there for someone? And, and, and maybe this is in line with your memoir. When is that released? I mean, how, you know, can we find that? What's, what's timing of that? Yeah, sure. So right now um, I'm in the infancy of building some things out. So you could find me on any social media. If you type on Instagram, it's Walt McKinley Motivation. On Facebook, it's Walt McKinley. Even I jumped on TikTok the other day for the first time. So nice. my, kids, my kids are teaching me how to use that. But there's plenty of young men and, and women. And by the way, my generation's getting on it now too, that need to hear the message. So just type TikTok's in TikTok's a great platform because with you doing video content too, you could broadcast mm-hmm. that message and, and really bring that to a whole big demographic, right? 100%. And, and so type in Walt McKinley. You know, see my picture. Every single one of them says veteran on it. I post video con- content every day, but there's Facebook support groups too in the meantime. I'm building training right now that should be done in the next couple months um, to, to help people understand. It's more like a self-paced thing to help you understand how to overcome that. Uh, if, if you want some coaching on how to really overcome that, and by, by the way, if you come to me with it and you want some coaching, I'm going to press you to work through it. I'm not going to let you sit in that space that you're in. Well, it's a real coach. It's not just, hey, here's this easy outline. It's not easy. Right. I know the victory that's on the other side. So my, you know, my hand's reaching down that side of the trauma mountain. I'm ready to yank you up. Let's go. And so, and then my book, um, I think January 15th is actually going to be the published date. What I don't want to do is rush it and then give something that's a, a 90% of what it could be. My intent is to make it phenomenal. So it's at the editor now. She's going through it. Now, I've, I just... Uh, so it's already been written, they're editing yep, and working through it. They're editing it. Um, and I was going to do it at, um, November 6th, which was two days after my birthday. But I just decided to push that a little bit. So, and I'm, I'm also getting ready to build a website. should be launched in um, the next probably month. And it's going to be Walt McKinley Motivation. And then I'll have everything from my book to my programs to everything, coaching, that you can um, figure out what works best for you. And then you can get my help to help overcome that trauma that you've been through. I'm grateful for Brian Downs for having introduced us, who served with you, I believe, in, in the military and is a great neighbor of mine to I respect a lot, who just started his own plumbing business, mm-hmm. right, that he's building. And I, I know he's, you know, asked about social media and he's spoken about you highly, right, the impact you've made on him. And, you know, so, so how is that, you know, when you think about the military and Fortune 500, I, I would imagine that's giving you some structure now that as you're starting your own company, because we bring entrepreneurs on here and starting mm-hmm. a company is really difficult, right. even though mm-hmm. you have passion behind it and you have an amazing message, but the structure side, figuring out, okay, you know, giving back is huge. You still have to make a living. How do these two coincide? So I'm sure that's been fun trying to figure out the dynamic and structure of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what I don't know is the business side of entrepreneurship. <laughs> I can figure it out like anything else. What I've done though, is I made the decision to invest in some coaching 
to help accelerate the process. I know I could figure it out. I'm smart enough to figure it out, but I don't want to take a year to figure it out. Yeah. The year that it would take me to figure out means a year that I'm not serving other people with my message. Yep. So I'm using other people's expertise and paying for coaching to help accelerate the process. Because the reality is, especially in the motivational speaking space, there's so many people trying to put out content. So how do you break through the noise in a way that resonates with people where you build the influence to have a larger impact? I personally don't care about the likes and the, yeah. th those things. Like I'm not a vanity guy. What I care about is beating the algorithm so that I can influence people and help them heal on their journey. So it's been an amazing 11 weeks. You know what I'm focused on, though? And I never have, Brad. I never have. I've been an execution guy my whole career. Okay. So here I go set out for a goal. And I'm just, I'll run through the mud to get to the, run through the fire to get to the goal. And I get to the goal and I make the next goal. I get to the goal and I make the next goal. And I want to talk to the entrepreneurs on this too, because this is really important. Every time I hit the goal, there was maybe one second of gratification and I'm on to the next one. You know what I never did? And it left my goals empty when I reached them. I didn't enjoy the journey. I didn't enjoy the lessons that I'm learning, the growth I'm personally having along the way. So you know what I do now is I give myself space to enjoy that journey now because it's going to make the, the goal, as I reach these different you know, stakes in the road that I'm putting in, it's going to make the goal so much better and gratifying. And because the reality is I'm, I won't ever have a final goal for this. It's to reach millions of people. That's my goal. And I don't want to put a number on it because, and, and I have monetary goals and stuff like that, but I don't want to put a number on it because the reality is there's always going to be people to help, at least as long as I'm alive. Hopefully one day there won't be people to help overcome trauma if we're doing this thing the right way. So enjoy the journey, you guys. Enjoy that journey and celebrate every single win because the days that you're down, it's those wins that you've been celebrating that are going to keep you and lift you back up. But that mindset, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. I, and I've heard this from so many people such as yourself, Walt, that that ability to, to, to look at the win because the reality is our days are up and down mm -hmm. and they're difficult. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know if this is appropriate for the podcast, but it's funny. I talked to some of my subs and I'm like, I just hate people right now, right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's just the difficulty to get product and to deliver and get manpower and to hit these dot timelines, right? People are stressed, they're frustrated, you're dealing with the pandemic and health. And, and there's a lot of complication in our society right now. And, and, but the ability to sit back and, as you mentioned, to say, okay, I need to evaluate this and, and cheer for my wins. I need to be able to positively look at this and realize the success of having, not focus on the detriment, not focus on mm -hmm. the things going wrong, because they will happen. But I have a lot of people cheering for me. And, and, I, and, and your ability to control that mental cycle, that mental aptitude, right, that you have, it really is truth to now understanding how to be successful and understanding how to overcome trauma and celebrate, right, where you're at now. And it's commendable. And, and I love that perspective you share, Walt. I mean, you have so much to offer. So again, you, you mentioned some upcoming exciting things. You have your book coming out. You have your program. And I love that you're working with some business coaches because all of us need to accelerate our career and working with those that have done it and have learned from that, right? That's going to accelerate us and make you better for those you're serving anyways. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's such a, you know, I, ne I, I never invested into that. And I want to talk about one more thing too, that's super important on people's journey. Watch what you're consuming. I just did a, a different kind of video today about the 13 service members and 90 Afghanis that were lost yesterday. And Kabul. And the news makes it so divided. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, right? right. This isn't an aisle issue. This is a human issue. Right. People lost their lives. But negative news sells, you guys. Negative. If it content, bleeds, it leads. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads. Tony Robbins says that a lot too. <laughs> if it bleeds, it leads. And so watch what you're consuming. As an intelligence officer for two decades, do you, I was watching the news every night. You know how negative my mindset was when I cut those things out and I listened to podcasts, motivational content, things to teach me how to do the next step in whatever process I'm working on. Do you know how much my mindset started to change to the positive? For instance, on my way here, I, w I didn't tell my wife, I got to go do this podcast with Brad. You know what I said? I get to go do this podcast with Brad. <laughs> you know, when I get home, I get to go put out some more content. 
I get to do these. What a blessing. I get to do these things. And when you take away, I have to do something and say, I get to do something. Wow. What a gratuitous life you could lead. And if you're leading your life with gratitude, you're going to have joy. So, yeah. Yeah. So that to me, cons- consumption is going to keep you on track. And I don't care if you're helping people heal from trauma, you're, you're overcoming your own, you're an entrepreneur. Consumption is key. And also writing down your wins too. Say your wins out loud. And I heard this last night, write down your wins. When you write down your wins and you're struggling on a day that things aren't going right, look at those wins. You know what it's going to do? It's going to keep you from dipping too far down. Now your new floor for those times when you're on a low just got higher. And over time, both those things get higher. Your, your wins get higher, your low gets higher. And your success will also get higher because you don't let yourself wallow in the frustration of what's happening around you. You just keep going. We are who we surround ourselves with, right? And Amen. the consumption that we have and take in is going to have an impact on our mentality. It's going to have an impact on our mood and our emotions. And I mean, it's, this episode has been phenomenal. Walt, you've shared some amazing information. And I love that you talked about the vision board essentially, right? Write down your wins and that's mm-hmm. that vision board. It's that constant pursuit that you have. And that's what's made your success today. And I'm grateful for people such as yourself that, that can evaluate that, look at that, give back and want to do it in such an uplifting way. And so you mentioned a few of your handles, mention those again where our listeners can find you. We'll have it tagged in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's Walt McKinley motivation, all one, all one word. On Facebook, it's Walt McKinley. And then on TikTok, it's Walt McKinley. And then soon, I'll have a website, Walt McKinley Motivation, which will have Legacy Warriors Foundation I'm building and, and my book and everything else on it in one place where you could find it easier than trying to find me on different handles on social media. Well, I love that. And I will say once that is launched, we'll also do another press release awesome. as well for everybody on our channels. But Walt, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for serving as a veteran. Thank you for the, uh, your, your pursuit of speaking about abuse and overcoming that and what you've done for us today. Well, thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. I'm blessed to be on the podcast. And when you're blessed, you can be a blessing. So I challenge everybody to feel blessed today so you can go bless somebody else and have an amazing day. Thank Thank you. you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.